Hello, I'm Tisa Kareen, a midwife in Southern California. I started my practice eight years ago, and like many of you, my training did not cover how to start and run a successful midwifery practice. I learned many business concepts and strategies by trial and error and a whole lot of diving into other industries' resources and then applying them to midwifery. On Midwife to Midwife, we are going to explore what midwives all over the world have to share about their experiences starting and expanding their businesses. We are going to cover topics like social media, website management, marketing, practice protocols, midwifery gear reviews, and self-care. Join me as we dive into conversations with midwives, about midwives, for midwives. Welcome. I'm Tisa Kareen. Welcome back to Midwife to Midwife. Today, I am having one, a, a co-host, in which I haven't had in a while. So today we have Sarah Thompson. She is the writer creator of Functional Maternity. And if you have not seen her book or her Instagram, please go check her out. I will link everything in the show notes today. We are also, this is going to be one of the first episodes that's going to be posted up on YouTube as well. So there is a video aspect of the podcast. If you like to watch YouTube videos over listening to podcasts, um, you can check us out on the YouTube channel, Midwife to Midwife. Today on Midwife to Midwife, we talked to Sarah about a few functional lab tests. We're talking about the CBC and what we can really learn from the CBC. And then talked about her courses that are coming up because that's what I was really interested in talking to her about is just relaying the information out to the midwife community of how you can learn a little bit more about um how to really interpret labs and how to take that information to help our clients. So we talked about chronic inflammation and chronic stress, which I personally have to manage in my own life. And since I know these symptoms and this, um, this, how this makes me feel, I am seeing it with my clients more and more. I'm seeing a lot of chronic stress and chronic inflammation really starting to cause some issues during pregnancy. And I don't know how to help people because I know that this is a lifelong um, management and journey for a lot of us that are dealing with issues like this. And it's not so simple when someone comes to us and says that they are having troubles with insomnia or joint pain or heart palpitations, um, chronic headaches, and just maybe even a lot of anxiety. We've seen a lot more mental health issues popping up, struggles with women post-COVID. And I really want to learn how to dive deep into labs and how to really help someone from a functional standpoint. So this was a very interesting conversation for me. I will be having Sarah back to really dive deeper into certain conditions during pregnancy, not just talk overall about her courses and her book. But we will have her back maybe in a month or two to discuss um, something exciting, very in-depth, and how we can help our clients um, with management and hopefully um, correcting some of the issues that, that seem to be popping up. It's not so much that it, pregnancy might not be causing it. It's definitely a condition that's underlying and then becomes exasperated because of the physiological changes that are happening in the body during pregnancy. So I hope you enjoy this conversation today. 
And remember to go ahead and go to the show notes if you are interested in any of Sarah's information. All right, let's dive in. Okay, welcome back to Midwife to Midwife. Today on our podcast, we are talking to Sarah Thompson. She is the author of Functional Maternity. And I am, um, I was definitely drawn to the message that I saw on Instagram, just watching some of the functional medicine uh, message that you were talking about, how it translates into pregnancy and how we could really help women have a more functional pregnancy, right? So I um, definitely feel like this is a wonderful chat to have in the midwife community because uh, our education really doesn't give us a whole lot of foundation about functionality, like diving deep into those labs, diving deep into um, some things that a lot of women are really dealing with in our current culture. A lot of people have autoimmune disorders. They're affecting pregnancy. We're seeing a lot more thyroid issues. We're seeing so many things that are on a deeper level than just what the basic lab value is showing us today. So welcome, Sarah, to the podcast. Thanks for coming to chat with me today. I'm really excited. Why don't you tell us um, who you are, your background, and... Yeah, tell me, start there. <laughs> well, first off, thank you for inviting me to be on your podcast today. Uh, I'm excited to be here. I love sharing everything functional medicine, especially with the midwifery community, because I feel that mid as midwives, you guys are in a very crucial place in order to implement a lot of these functional medicine uh, principles into maternity care. So a little bit about me. I My name is Sarah Thompson. I'm the author of Functional Maternity. Uh, my background is that my uh, medical degree is in traditional Chinese medicine. I have been in practice since 2005. Uh, I found functional medicine in kind of a roundabout way. Uh, my undergrad, I studied nutrition. Nutrition to me has always been something that was a very important part and the foundation of health. And as I grew my traditional Chinese medicine practice, we incorporate nutrition and we incorporate all these things. And I, I always joke that TCM was functional medicine before functional medicine was cool. And what functional medicine does is it gives Western terminology to a lot of the concepts that we use in traditional Chinese medicine. And I found functional medicine actually after I had converted my practice into a maternity care practice. Mm-hmm. And it was just another layer to add on as I worked with my, my pregnant clients to, to help them achieve their, their pregnancy goals. It just seemed kind of like a common sense next step. Awesome. What do you think? Um, why, why pregnancy? Like, why did you go into the maternity sector and bring functional mm-hmm. medicine into that? When I first, first jumped into the maternity niche here, it was actually during my own pregnancy. And mm. I had had literally zero interest in pregnancy uh, I, I myself didn't want to have kids. And then, oh my gosh, I'm pregnant. And I had to learn very quickly all the cool things about pregnancy. And by the end of it, I was like, oh my gosh, why didn't anybody tell me pregnancy was so cool? This is just beautiful and fascinating. And 
And me as a person, I'm somebody who, if if I'm going to know something, I want to know everything about it. I want to know every little detail. And I have a whole section of my book about, you know, me as a kid. And it's kind of a silly analogy, but I was obsessed with dogs. And I knew every detail about every dog breed. I knew their genetic predispositions. I knew all these stupid little facts that did nothing for me in life. But I had to know it because I was obsessed with it. The same thing kind of happened to me when I became pregnant. I didn't know anything about it before. And it became something that I was just obsessed with. Like, this is just fascinating. This is beautiful. And I need to know everything there was. And I learned very quickly that the resources in pregnancy care are actually quite limited. I had a wonderful Mm. midwife uh, that delivered both of my kiddos. And I had just all these deep-seated questions that she'd be like, you know, I really don't know. This is just how we do it, right? I don't understand this. We don't really, outside of just take your prenatal, there's not a lot of other nutritional things. And I and, and deep down inside of me, knowing my background, knowing that uh, all the things I knew about nutrition, I kind of deep down inside was like, well, there's got to be more. I know that nutrition plays into physiology. I know <laughs> that it has the potential to change so many things outside of just fetal development. And prenatal nutrition in and of itself is just that. It's fetal nutrition. It's how do we grow a baby nutrition. But pregnancy is so much more than just a baby. There's a mother who is changing and her physiology changes drastically during pregnancy. And that's kind of when my passion started to really fire up, I guess, is as I started to learn more about maternal physiology, I was just blown away by all the information that was out there that nobody seemed to have their hands on. And connecting Mm -hmm. the dots was something that I wanted to do for myself and future pregnancies, but also for the people that I served. The patients that I saw, they they deserved to have answers to the questions that I didn't have answers to. And thus, functional maternity was born. And thus, the, the educational drive to go into functional medicine and learn more about that physiology and how nutrition plays into physiology and applying that to pregnancy kind of came about. Mm. Well, there's definitely a need in um, pregnancy care uh, across the board to have a better understanding to be able to help people get through some of the what we're seeing pop up a lot more right so when i when i get interviews from women coming to me they say well i had preeclampsia in my last pregnancy i had high blood pressure i had coleostasis we you know we've got to start looking at these issues at a deeper level to figure out how to, it's not just one thing. And I've seen that, especially in my own practice where I work with a much lower resource population that I see a lot more ailments and a lot more conditions in pregnancy than I probably normally would in a very like middle-class high resource population that a lot of home birth midwives get to serve. So yeah, definitely turned me on um, to, you know, when I start seeing people having these conditions, like why are they having these t- mm-hmm. conditions? And it's not going to be as simple as like, let's beef up your protein during your pregnancy, um, because that's that's not the answer usually. So, but I love that um, I did I did kind of peruse the book and I've been going through it, trying to find things that were particularly things that I've been dealing with in preg- like some of my current clients. And I love how the book is broken up in sections to where we can talk about certain, I, 
there's always books that are just kind of, you have to read all the way through them to understand something. But I love that I could just go to a certain section in your book and, and actually find what I'm looking for. So I do appreciate that a whole lot. Um, I know we were talking a little bit off camera about how you had to cut out a lot of your book to get it, get it out there. But is there, is there another book possibly down the line you think? Possibly. It's something that I had discussed with my publisher before we even released this book was the idea of a secondary book, simply mm-hmm. because there is just so much information. It's like you and I were mm-hmm. talking, you know, prior to with this course that, that I'm pushing out. There's just so much information that you really have to play around with. What do I want to add here? What really gives value to right here? And what's better off in another grouping? Or what else can we expand on later? And that was a really hard game because there is so much and there is so much that I didn't get to put in the book, such as postpartum care, right? Postpartum mm-hmm. care is a whole section that we kind of lost out on. I would love to have expanded things like the chapter 12 functional childbirth side more so because I feel like that is such an important part of how functional medicine can change pregnancy and childbirth outcomes is by analyzing and understanding the physiology that leads to a physiological and functional childbirth experience. And how can we facilitate that with nutrition, diet, lifestyle, and all these great things we do with functional medicine. So secondary book idea has been, (laughs) and something we've been toying around with, is more of a a patient's guide. Because the book you have is very Mm -hmm. much geared towards a practitioner. It's very complex. There's a lot of detail. There's a lot of physiology. There's a lot of genetics Mm -hmm. happening in there. There's a lot of deep conversation. And I know for some patients, some, you know, expectant uh, women out there, it's it's a little too deep. It's hard for Mm -hmm. them to understand that information and and apply that information to their life. So the secondary book uh, is looking to be something that's a little bit more patient friendly. So more of a guided book for the functional childbirth and postpartum phases. Wonderful. We do have a, a, an ebook that is available on the website that is a downloadable PDF that is kind of like a smaller version of what I'd like the second book to be. But and, mm. and by by smaller uh, ebook, it's like a ninety page ebook that is a patient's guide to a functional childbirth experience. That is an expansion of of that chapter twelve that goes into kind of a usable way that patients can use. So for midwives mm-hmm. out there, if they've got patients. Or if they want to download it to have it as a resource for their patients, they're more than welcome to do that. Mm, interesting. Well, tell me, um, tell me about the courses. So we did talk about this. You have two courses, one that you're currently getting ready to release, but you also already have the thyroid physiology course. Tell me about that one, because I think that we are definitely in somewhat of a little bit of a thyroid epidemic in our country, honestly. Um Oops. And now that women are probably a little bit in an older age bracket when they're getting pregnant, these thyroid conditions are probably a little more common than what we used to see maybe 15, 20 years ago. Yes, thyroid conditions, and I see it here in my clinic. Uh, We have thyroid patients every single day, whether they're pregnant Mm -hmm. or preconception. Thyroid is a big component, and it is something that I feel like most, and not even the OBGYNs are even trained properly in Mm -mm. assessing and managing thyroid conditions preconception through postpartum. So I did put out a course. Uh, Again, this is something that I have taught at midwifery conferences on and off for a few years now. And I figured it was time to kind of push it out there as a CEU course. So there is continuing education credits for this course. It is hosted through an organization called Kibi. 
it's an international midwifery CEU course kind of platform. Uh, you People can find a link to that on my Instagram page, or if they want to email me, and I can give my email at the end of this, I'm more than happy to give them that direct link to it. It should be popping up on my website with a direct link here pretty quick. Right now, it's just via via their website. But what, mm-hmm. what I do in that course is we go over all of the thyroid physiology, how other hormones affect thyroid function, why somebody may have hypothyroidism. So the number one cause here in the United States is autoimmune disease. In other countries, the number one cause is iodine deficiency. Mm-hmm. Here in the U.S., iodine deficiency is probably the second most common cause. We're seeing it more and more as people start to limit certain foods in their diet that are high in iodine. Uh, so iodized salt fell out of favor, right? Everybody's going to Celtic sea salts and, you know, that kind of bit. Uh, we also see that a lot of people are avoiding things like dairy and legumes. And here in the U.S., we just don't eat a lot of seafood. So iodine deficiency is actually significantly more common than I think the conventional world really admits to. Uh, They think that we've kind of gotten away from iodine deficiency because for a while, I think we probably did limit some of that. But it's coming back. We have a little resurgence in iodine deficiency, and I do see it. So we go into some of those factors. What are normal lab values in pregnancy? Because I think there's a lot of controversy over that. We have reference ranges that really don't mimic and, and reflect what the science says on it. So we go over what the Endocrine Society and the American Thyroid Association and even the European Endocrine Society, what are their recommended reference ranges, and then give you some tips and tricks on on how to use that information in in prevention and treatment. So that's that thyroid awesome. course. Yep. How um can I ask questions like What's the course selling for? How long would it take a person to get through it? Yeah, it's actually a pretty quick course. It's only two and a half hours. Mm. And the price on that currently is $75. That's very affordable. What is the CEU? Con- like what kind of CEU- CEUs are they getting for it? I think it's between two and three, depending on the organization. Okay, cool. Yeah. That sounds amazing. I will probably have to pick that one up for sure. Midwives, thanks for listening so far. I'm going to take a quick break to talk to you about what we have going on over at the Midwife to Midwife community. This September, finally, after two years of having the membership open, we are going to have our first roundtable. And our first roundtable is going to be called 12 Protocols in 12 Weeks. This roundtable will look like a group of us getting together and exploring 12 separate protocols, practice protocols, and just sharing our thoughts and how we do things wherever you are. If you are in another country, I would love to hear you, how another midwife in Australia or in Northern Europe does what we do. And for all of us to just kind of share what it is that we're doing with these protocols. So how it'll look is each week we will go through an, a different protocol. Um, you could submit your protocols and I will review them in a weekly Zoom roundtable. And anybody can ask questions, offer up advice, and talk about why they do things. 
And at the end of each week, I will post in the group um, just some templates of what those protocols have without any practice information, without um, without details about in individual midwives, just the protocol. And if you want to um, take something from something that you heard that week that resonates with you and add it to your own, that's what this is all about. At the end of this 12 weeks, you should have 12 completely revised and up-to-date protocols for your practice. So the reason I love doing this is because I personally could always use a little updating in my protocols. We really should be evaluating these yearly to make sure that we're up to date, that um, maybe something has changed. Maybe our comfort level has changed with something either moving back or moving forward, right? So what a great opportunity to just get with midwives everywhere and see what what midwives are doing. And this is exactly what Midwife to Midwife is all about. So join us at our first roundtable for 12 protocols in 12 weeks. If you're interested in this, there's a link in today's show notes for you to sign up for an email that will tell you and update you when we are ready to launch that roundtable. All right, back to the show. Anemia. Anemia has so many different facets. It's not plainly like give somebody an iron supplement. So talk to me about that. Oh, yes. So anemia is one of those things that I do a lot of one-on-one. I feel like consultations with midwives because I do one-on-one consultations for people where we focus so much on iron because uh, yes, iron is, it's part of hemoglobin. It's, it's a structural component, right? If you're low in iron, you're going to be anemic. But what if it's not iron deficiency? What if it's something that's preventing iron absorption, right? Something like a copper deficiency. What if it's something like our vitamin A? What if it's a methylation issue, B12, folate, with zinc and B6? There's all these different nutrients and all these different hormones that go into the formation of red blood cells outside of iron. But yet in, in maternity care, we focus on iron. And there's some good reasons behind that because iron goes into fetal health. There's, there's other things, right? There's a reason we do that. But it does the maternal body slight injustice if all we're doing is focusing on iron. And one of the key things to be able to read is the basic CBC. Because there's so much information, and I find the CBC to be absolutely magical if you know how to read it. But most people don't know how to read it. They go off of what they've been told. Okay, hemoglobin less than 11. We may want to start giving them some extra iron. Okay, but what if it's not iron deficiency? There's a strong possibility <laughs> that it's not. Right. Sorry. I realized my. That's okay. <laughs> edit. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Volume. Turn that thing off. Okay. Apologize for that. Office phone is ringing. Okay. And regroup. <laughs> so when we're looking at the CBC, it is pretty magical. And a lot of people, when they see that, they think, oh, hemoglobin low, right? Give them some extra iron. But sometimes it's not the iron. Sometimes it's those other factors. Sometimes there's other other nuances in that CBC that that show dysfunction before the dysfunction ever happens. And Mm. to really understand the CBC, you have to go back to understanding the formation of blood cells in and of themselves, how the individual nutrients play into that. So in my course that I'm, I'm coming out with, like I think I was telling you too, I had originally planned on this beautiful, big, giant course that went through everything. 
in one big course. And I quickly realized there's just so much information, kind of like the book. And so I kind of backed up a little bit and decided to release it in individual chunks. So the first chunk we're going to release is talking about the CPC because it is the most common lab run in pregnancy. And it's not just an anemia marker. It, it's a, a, a test for anemia. You can use it to, to assess inflammation. You can use it to assess so many things that if you have the understanding of the basic CBC, you're already set up for better success as a midwife from a functional medicine perspective. If you're starting mm. the beginning of pregnancy with that OB panel with more information than just, yeah, look at that. CBC looks, it's all within normal parameters, right? You have a better chance at preventing other complications later on down the line. Mm -hmm. Hemoglobin, for example, right? Normal hemoglobin at an OB panel should never go over 14.5 unless you live at high altitude, which most people aren't living above, you know, at 10,000 feet, right? So when you see a hemoglobin over 14.5 at an OB panel, I automatically start thinking we need to watch this person for preeclampsia. We need to start looking for inflammation. And that's something most people wouldn't even see because the reference range goes all the way to 15 or 16, depending on the lab you're using. It's within normal ranges, but you see it in research. Mm -hmm. And I have case studies within my course that we go over. Here's somebody who came to me, you know, later on with preeclampsia. Here's her OB panel. Look what we didn't see. It was already happening. There was already something at play. Mm -hmm. And so if you mm -hmm. can read that OB panel, you're already in a better position to prevent complications in your patients and keep them at home. Yeah. Right. Because that's the goal, obviously, with home birth midwifery. And this mm. is where I believe functional medicine has a really amazing place in your guys's education and your practice is because we want those mamas to have that wonderful physiological functional birth experience. We want them to have that home birth that they really, really want. And the way we do mm -hmm. that is by understanding the maternal physiology and preventing things from ever happening. So core part one of the course is going to be going into the CBC. And not just going through, here's all the values, here's what ups and downs mean on that, but going back to the beginning and understanding the physiology behind the CBC. How are red blood cells made? What goes into their formation and function? How are white blood cells made? How about platelets? What are things that could change the, the ratios between these three different blood cells? All of that is really important when you're looking at that CBC. So it's a little bit bigger than just just the values in the CBC. Wow. Do you, um, that's going to be fantastic. That I think that's a great starting point for sure. And I don't think that uh, you missed the mark on that. And I love that you're going to just move forward with it and not wait for the big course, right? Um, because I've told, I've said this before too, even as us midwives, we can only take in so much information in the small, like in those little chunks anyway, because we're so busy in our practices anyway. So I think it'll be, it'll be very um, timely that way anyway, even if you decide to do it in those smaller chunks, it'll, plus if somebody is particularly dealing with a specific situation, they can maybe go to whatever part of the course yeah. that you've, you know, if they're dealing with, um, thyroid issues or anemia issues, like any of those issues, right? Um, I think it's very interesting that you brought up the inflammation issue. And I don't think that inflammation is ever addressed in pregnancy at all. I did read that in your book as well. And 
Um, I think way there's so many people who are dealing with inflammation and I am extremely overwhelmed when I see it in people and don't know how to help them address it. Cause I feel like, wow, we are kind of like, this is, it's kind of late to really be addressing this now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking forward to diving a little bit deeper into that and trying to find really just some good ways to help moms start addressing those issues Because I know that that's the one thing that's not done in the medical model of care and the traditional, you know, obstetric model. It's more they're just there to uh, deal with preeclampsia. They're they're not there to prevent preeclampsia. There's nothing in the OB model of care that prevents preeclampsia. There's nothing in the medical model that prevents hypertension. Yeah. So it's a cute crisis. They're there to. To manage it. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely is. They're just there to manage it once it does happen. So, and now to identify it potentially. Yes. Yes. To identify and manage is their only, you know, modality. So, um, do you, are there things that you would like midwives to know? I know I put out, I, I asked for three things, but. If you can't get three, that's fine. I would love, like, what would you most like midwives to know about functional medicine in pregnancy? About functional medicine in pregnancy. That, that it's more than just having a good birth, right? That it, there's more to it. I, I know a lot of what I talk about is let's make happy, healthy birth experiences. Let's get mom's body healthy. It can be more than that. And one of the things I always try to keep in the back of my head is we have two people we're working on. And a lot of what we're doing is, is more than just the mother in front of us. A lot of what we're doing is setting up the next generation for better fertility success, mm-hmm. for better pregnancy success, especially if that mom is carrying a little girl, right? What mom mm-hmm. does in her pregnancy is going to affect that child's ability to conceive later. And we see this for a Mm -hmm. lot of the people I work with, with fertility, they may be young and they've done everything right in their adulthood. But what happened with their mom when they were pregnant really kind of sometimes outweighs what they're doing right now. Mm. So it's this whole big factor that a lot of my focus in functional maternity and functional medicine and application for maternity care is how do we get these statistics to decrease? How do we keep people in a more natural birth experience? How do we prevent Death in pregnancy. How do we prevent preeclampsia? Well, it begins in the pregnancy of that next generation. So mm-hmm. you may do all this great work for this person and and do all of these functional medicine protocols. And again, it's more than just that that mother in the room. It's more than their birth experience. And they may have a bad birth, but that next generation may be set up for better success. So sometimes we don't see the fruits of our labor right off the bat because the person we're working with is has got a lot going on, which is why I go to the next thing, number two, that I want people to remember. The goal of functional medicine isn't perfection. It's to help the person achieve the best they can with what they've been given. Right? So that goes back. So what they've been given may be changes in their epigenetics based off of the fact that their father smoked when he was in, in, in puberty. Cool studies coming out on that, where uh, men specifically who smoked in their adolescence automatically make epigenetic changes that can factor into to DNA changes in their kids. 
as mm. simple as that. And and there's nothing they can control. And again, they, maybe in their adulthood, they never smoked, but they did in childhood. Mm-hmm. They, t- they played around with it, right? Whatever. That automatically starts mm-hmm. to make epigenetic changes. And, and the woman we're looking at in the room can't change that her father did that. But we can help mm-hmm. her make what she's been given work better for her. Right. Yeah, and that doesn't always mean perfection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing I would say would be prevention is key. Mm-hmm. Right? The convi- Like you were saying, the conventional model of maternity care is acute crisis management care, not preventative care. And I think that is where functional medicine really shines in maternity care is the fact that we're trying to prevent things and we're trying to catch things as early as possible so that we can prevent having to go down the path of acute crisis management. Mm-hmm. If we can prevent it, then we don't have to deal with it. If we can catch it early, we can slow the progression of that disease. And oftentimes prevention is preconception. I would say nine times out of 10, prevention is in preconception care. So the earlier mm-hmm. we get to those clients, the more likely we are to prevent those complications later on. When we're looking at developing that functional childbirth experience that I always talk about, prevention is more important than dealing in that actual labor experience. The body starts to prepare for labor and delivery all the way back at the end of the second trimester. So if you want to prevent negative birth outcomes, you have to start way back then. So sometimes when prevention care, we're working three months, right? I joke, everything in the female body is three months prior, right? Three months prior to conception affects the development of that little embryo. It also affects that first trimester. What happens in first trimester affects second trimester. What happens in second trimester affects third trimester. And then what happens in third trimester affects the labor and delivery experience. Third trimester affects postpartum. So prevention happens in chunks beforehand. So the idea of prevention uh-huh. is, okay, number four, learning to read the lab work correctly. Learning know, learning to know what labs to run and when for preventative care. Most of the time in conventional medicine, a comprehensive metabolic panel isn't run until we already have hyper uh, hypertension and protein in the urine. Mm-hmm. Kind of, okay, sure, you're going to see that the liver and kidneys are sad, but they were sad probably months ago when we missed it, when they were having other symptoms mm. that, that were ignored. They were having, you know, heart palpitations, insomnia, some of these signs of inflammation in their body already. Where if we had maybe run a C, a comprehensive metabolic panel with our OB panel, which I'm a big fan of, number one, we have a baseline. We know what was their body like at the beginning of pregnancy. And if we can run it again you know, at 28 uh-huh. weeks, we go, what kind of a change already happened? Arterial spiraling in the placenta stops at 20 weeks, the growth of it. And usually it's after that mark that you start to see that progression towards preeclampsia. So what was their baseline CMP uh-huh. and what is their CMP at 28 weeks? Their baseline ALT could have been at an 11 and it jumped up to a 25. Well, it's not high enough for us to say, oh, my God, Mm. we have liver issues. But for them, it is. That's a big jump. Yeah, doubled. doubled, (laughs) But it's still within our normal parameters. So if Mm -hmm. you have that baseline, you can already see something kind of eking towards that. Ooh, ooh, what's going on there? You can already start preventing that from progressing further. You can already see it before it happens Mm -hmm. if you know what you're looking for. So those would be the things that that sounds interesting right? with functional medicine. I want midwives to know you have the potential, and especially like I was saying, you know, for you earlier, midwives to me, especially I feel like the home birth midwife crowd 
is just poised to implement these functional medicine principles into their practices and really make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. She's got to know how to do it. Yes. And that's the key is knowing how to do it. That's definitely not something that, and nor I don't believe that it should be part of our basic training. This really is more of a, a continuing education. Like we need to be able to focus on the basic physiological changes that happen during pregnancy and knowing how to manage pregnancy matters and, and helping women from point A to point B. This is definitely, I think, more advanced and you would probably want to be practicing a little bit to have some background and better understanding to put this into practice. And that that's my personal feeling. Like, I don't know that I would have absorbed this very well in my initial training. Mm-hmm. Right now that I've been practicing for a while, I can definitely put this in, you know, into practice and have a really good understanding of what I'm learning as yeah. well. So I, it, again, it, it's. I think that there's a lot of midwives who definitely are looking for this type of education right now as well, because we know that, that it's not just so simple. We're not. We're definitely dealing with a more compli- complicated population now too. There's so many things that have happened in the last three years that have really complicated some some things. So we're seeing so many post-COVID complications that um, are are not documented and and researched yet and. But as midwives, we're seeing it firsthand. We're seeing the fallout from from what's happened in the last three years. We're seeing it directly related to pregnancy and birth outcomes. Yeah. So, yeah, and the, and the um, stress aspect. Nobody talks about how stress affects pregnancy and stress affects conception and birth outcomes. And mm-hmm. I attribute actually some of the stuff we've seen in the last several years to to the stress of what happened. And I always joke: if you weren't stressed during the last couple of years, mm-hmm. I'm worried. Right. Because that was stressful Mm -hmm. in whatever way it was, whether it was isolation or it was Mm -hmm. trying to navigate different types of information that you were given. There was a lot of stress involved. Mm -hmm. And I have seen definitely an increase in my clinical practice with the effects of this chronic stress on the body, which then, you know, Mm -hmm. if you understand chronic stress, it plays into exasperating any underlying condition you may have had. And increasing the risk yeah. of inflammatory connections. So, so many things, so many things that could come about from from the last yeah. couple of years. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree, and that's been something that I've even been navigating. Even with midwives, we've all um, had to undergo a lot of stress in our own practices, thanks to COVID and how things changed in the mm-hmm. world, but. Um, so the two courses, you've got the thyroid physiology. You said that there's a link on your Instagram for that. It is. So if you run through posts, I've gotten a couple posts because we just released it at the beginning of the month. I think it was the 5th of June is when that course was released. Oh, okay. So it's, a, it's fairly fresh. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. So it's fairly yes. new. Nice. Great. And then um, the functional lab analysis will hopefully be out soon and we'll be able to start seeing that. I will definitely make sure that I let people know when I see it get released. Um, Is there anything else you want to add before we cut off? I'll just add that if anybody has questions, I am open to communication. 
with practitioners. And yeah, people can reach out to me. Instagram tends to be the quickest way to get to me these days. So I'm at functional.maternity mm-hmm. and DM me there. Follow along on Instagram. We're always putting up uh, research articles. I'm a, I'm a big fan of understanding the research and uh, and I and I try to put good articles up. I try to vet them as best I can and talk about why this research pointed to something, but then also maybe where they went wrong in their in their analysis or whatever. I try to break it down for everybody as well. So that's one thing. The other thing is for people who are interested in functional medicine, but also feel that you know they're not in a place that they want to start implementing it into their patient care. I do I, I do lab analysis for midwives all the time. So and I do uh, case consultations and all of that stuff to help midwives kind of achieve the goals goals that they're hoping to achieve with with their clients. That's fabulous. I I don't I think I did see that on your website, and I think that's a very good service to make sure that everybody knows that you provide because it's almost like oh, when we have a complicated case, we might consult with an endocrinologist or something like that. But they too do not, uh, I find honestly in my own area, the endocrinologist and hematologist really don't, they're they're still following like a very, like this is within normal ranges. Mm -hmm. So what do you want from me? And I'm getting those answers all the time from from those two specialties. And when it comes to pregnancy, they kind of just don't want to even deal with it. They don't want to deal with pregnant patients. So um, having a resource to be able to call a specialist for a pregnancy-related issue um, and do a little investigating, I'm I'm all for it, and I think it's wonderful. And they can contact you through your website for that consultation, correct? They can do that. And then if they have patients that they just want to send over, I always offer free 15-minute phone consults for people who are not existing patients. So before they ever schedule a full intake okay. with me, I am more than happy to just do a free 15-minute phone call with them to to assess. And sometimes, you know, in that quick 15-minute phone call, that's all we needed. And we don't need a full intake. And we mm-hmm. have enough information, especially when it comes mm-hmm. to pregnancy, because that is a very time-sensitive, you know, situation often where we don't mm-hmm. have months to work on things. And so I want to be able to get them mm-hmm. in faster if I can to just give them some little bit of tips and tricks to to kind of get them through. So you're doing uh, telehealth for these yep. situations? Like anybody mm-hmm. could send you a patient? Okay. Absolutely. That's great. And then you guys, do you have a, it sounds like you have an in-person practice as well. So my practice is located in Fort Collins, Colorado, but we do virtual patients. Colorado. I have, I have virtual patients all over the world. So we do a lot of telehealth. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Great. All right, uh, Sarah, it was great talking to you. I really appreciate your time today. And I'm looking to link a lot of this stuff in the show notes today. So if anybody's interested, you can definitely check the show notes. I'll link her Instagram page and her website so that you can look up everything that we talked about today. And then when the the knee functional lab analysis comes out, I will definitely do an updated post on that as well so that anybody who is interested in knowing but they can also follow your Instagram because I'm sure it'll be posted there as well. But anyway, if you haven't been following uh, Sarah at Functional Maternity on Instagram, you should. There's been a lot of great posts, a lot of good information. That's how I came across it. I don't know how I ever came across it to begin with, but it definitely drew my attention in and I've been following it for a while. And that's why I asked you for the interview. So um, 
thanks again. I appreciate your time. And I hope you have a good day as well. Well, another great conversation for today. Thank you for joining me. If you would like to see more, go to Facebook and Instagram at Midwife to Midwife. And you can also join our non-social media community support group membership at Midwife to Midwife. The links are in the show notes. Thanks again. And we'll see you on the flip side.